First and Pod, hosted by Danny Parkin and Andrew Filipponi. So I, I, I think there's going to be at some point here, maybe it won't be this Sunday, Danny, but I do think Burrow's going to miss games this season. I'm convinced of that. I don't think he'll play all 17. This whole thing where we're going to do a song and dance every week about did he get number one reps in the walkthrough and quarterbacks getting promoted from the practice squad. I just thought tonight was a got to have it game. They gutted it out. It was second half again, first half, no touchdowns. Jamar Chase got going great. Joe Mixon rushing touchdown. Defense was awesome. The defense didn't give up a third down conversion until the absolute end of the game on that Rams touchdown. But uh, I think they saved their season, but it feels more like a stay of execution for me because of Burrow's calf. Yeah, I, I don't know if he can get better while playing. Obviously, Arizona just beat Dallas, but feels like that might be a spot. You know, beat Tennessee, win a game in conference, which could matter for tiebreakers and wild card, and then try to sit an NFC game or something like that in week five. I could see that. I'll say this too. You want to talk about a quarterback not going the whole way. I mean, it's the same exact thing as last year with the Rams offensive line. Were they playing four offensive linemen? Three? What the hell was that? I mean, that guy's going to get killed if he plays more games behind an offensive line like that. Like to me, to me, like good job by Cincinnati. Their pass rush was relentless, but they were in there in two seconds or less often. Man, like that—that that felt like last year's offensive line for the Rams. It did, and I look at McVay as the type of coach that can scheme around it, and Stafford can get rid of the ball fast enough to cover up for a leaky offensive line. Pass protection is more about the quarterback than it is about the line itself. But the line is obviously still pretty important. Um, yeah, I, I just, that was a game that the Rams, I think, are going to kick themselves on all year. That was there for them. That, that game was right for the for the taking. And to not win, uh, given the way Stafford had played the first couple of games, Orlovsky makes the comment that Stafford is so good right now that the Rams can win any game they play this year. He said that like within the first few minutes of the game, which I think is was he in, was he in Detroit with Stafford? They got to have some kind of personal relationship, right? And that's got to be <laughs> yeah, a, yeah. They got they have to. I I I was sound on the Eagles game. I I didn't hear the sound the start of that broadcast. And Fowler annoys me as a football play by play guy. So I was hanging out at with all Buffalo. levels or just when he does NFL games. Uh, I I think he's very good at tennis. Um, I'm not a huge fan of his work on football, to be honest with you. Is it a personal thing or is this just a preference? No, 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 okay. not at all. I, I think great studio guy who went from the studio to the number one play-by-play gig. And yeah. like, I just don't, I don't feel like he's got number one big game play-by-play chops, just personal preference. He's very good at tennis though. Is that is that is that a bad? I mean, you you seem. Offended. I just that's an unusual opinion. I haven't heard a lot of hard no, no, line stances. I don't think I don't think he's very good. Play by play. I don't think he's very good. Um, Sean McVay punting on fourth and five, down ten with six minutes to go. He's a conservative in-game coach. We've known this about Sean McVay for years. He comes. I know, up but with can I get a, can I get an ounce of pushback? Like Fowler goes, like, and the Rams are forced to punt here. No, no because, they're not. No, like, because Lewis Riddick was reminding us, I think, 10 times during the second half that he talked to Andrew Whitworth yes. pregame. He kept shoehorning that in for no apparent reason. But I, I just, okay, great. 
you you use your timeout, you get the ball back. Now you're down 10, yeah. three and a half minutes. The only reason you score a touchdown is because there's a broken coverage. Okay, congratulations. That could have happened if you would have converted the fourth and five. And it ends up you needed an onside kick, which is like let 5% to so, convert. And it's probably, what, 40% to convert fourth and five with Stafford? Just completely idiotic. One of these networks, whether it's ESPN or Fox or CBS, NBC, they need to start doing a win probability thing that they show before every one of these decisions. And that way, at least, you can force your analysts to react to those. Like, here's what a punt does to your win probability. I feel like, here's yeah, the- I, I know. I feel like they did that on the Buck Aikman cast last year, and, and they just, like, kept disregarding it. Do you well, but I, think they, but I think they owe it to the – let the viewers at least see it, what the numbers I agree. say. I agree. I agree. And I just, like, forced to punt. Is there a new rule that I don't know about where you can't go for it on fourth down? It's just infuriating. Uh, what did you think of the other game? Well, I mean, I won money on it. Like, I, I told you last week I liked the Eagles. I just, I don't believe in Tampa. I fundamentally don't believe in them. I just think that they are such a low-ceiling team. They can't run the ball. Baker doesn't make explosive plays. They are they have good players. and like, like, Wirfs is a great tackle. Evans still clearly has a ton of game. Levante David is is very good, but not a premium position. Vita Vey is very, very good, but he doesn't make a ton of impact plays. Like they they don't have game changers. They they've got like very good players at relatively inconsequential positions. Yeah. And so I just when I see them go up against the team with studs at premium positions, and I know like hardcore football people would say Vita Vey absolutely is an impact position. And of course, Tristan Wirfs is an impact position, but like in terms of points on the board, you know, the takeaways, they just they just don't have those types of guys. So I loved Philly in this spot, and it went about as I expected. I think I think it's a little harsh by you on Tampa. I think relative to who they were playing, I agree with you. They're they're clearly not in the same league as the as the Eagles. But then again, the team that the Eagles beat in the divisional round of the playoffs last year wasn't either. The Giants didn't deserve yeah. to be on the same field as them. That's so right. So I, I think that the Buccaneers, I, I loved Philly in this game laying the five, five and a half. Wherever you got it, I thought the I thought the line would be fine. I thought you were good. It wasn't it was four and a half for the first three days of the week. Yeah. I thought I thought it was I thought as long as it didn't go past seven, you were gonna be fine in this game. That that wouldn't have made a difference anyways. They they were in control. They crushed them the whole way. Yeah. Um let me start with the Philly angle, though. I think what I now I picked them to win the Super Bowl this year. So this is not so much about them; it's more about San Francisco. I just think I try so hard because I know how unpredictable the NFL is that I just never feel right picking the teams that were there last year to get back the next year. Maybe one or two, but when I see predictions that say Chiefs Bengals in the AFC Championship game, Eagles Forty ers it's just like. Not only are you being a coward, but you fundamentally don't get how the NFL changes from year to year. Yeah. Three weeks in, it just feels like we're on a collision course for the Eagles and 49ers again. Like they are just head and shoulders above of the competition in the NFC. And this game and this weekend only further 
cemented that for me. So that's the Philly take. And, and their line is just so their lines are just so good. They lost Hargrave to their to their rival in this situation, San Francisco. And they don't skip a beat because everybody was stupid on Javon Carter. And, and Hargrave now, has been awesome this year, too. Yeah. Yeah, but they don't miss him because they've got Davis and Har- and and uh and Carter up front. I know. And and Graham and Cox and all those guys. Carter, like the the highlight of the um of the forced fumble will be the thing that everyone talks about. On the safety, he's getting double teamed and manhandled the two dudes. Like he's not near the ball, but he falls into the end zone and takes two linemen with him. Like if they would have run to his side, he would have gotten a safety yeah. too. Like they had three dudes who penetrated into the end zone on that play. Swift had, an- Swift had another huge game. They got him for pennies on the dollar. I'll I'll restate what I. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'll restate what I said on this podcast last week. I don't think Hertz has had a great game yet, and they're still beating teams convincingly. So the Hertz thing, because I'm seeing it in Chicago. Jalen Hertz is being defended to stop his running game. That's what's happening with Fields. On the zone reads, right? They are not going to the running back. They are crack. They are staying on the quarterback and saying, "You got to give the ball. You got to give the ball. You got to give the ball." So you got to give it to Swift, or in the Bears' case, you got to give it to Herbert. And then they're not seeing as much uh, man-to-man defense. They're seeing more zone, so the defensive backs are watching him. So it's like keep your eyes on Hurts, keep your eyes on Fields, and it's it's being successful. Like you've not had a ton of big quarterback runs. This year, the difference, of course, is, is that Hertz is good and a good pocket passer and has two awesome receivers and an amazing offensive line and is doing it. But I, I think that that's what's happening with Jalen Hurts is that he is being forced to beat you from the pocket and just with his arm and he's doing it. But you wouldn't say that Jalen Hurts is a top five pocket passing quarterback in the NFL. No, no. What made him a top five quarterback in the NFL was that he also had 800 rushing yards last year and that through three games has been largely taken away he still is obviously very effective on those stupid rugby you know push push whatever the hell they're calling it like for the fourth and ones and all that stuff but like he doesn't have explosive runs and I think that is why he doesn't look that great so far this year all right let's get to the games we were at I will let you go first because I had a lot of empathy for you on Sunday that you did this very last second, very rushed trip to Arrowhead to go back to Kansas city where you used to live and work to see the chiefs and bears. And we talked on Thursday about how, Hey, this is now with all the chaos and everything else that's going on in Chicago. This is now an interesting game because it's put up or shut up time for the bears. And yeah, dude, I'm going to run through my 24 hours for you, okay? Please. I'm just going to blitz through it. 6.40 a.m. flight, but at the far airport. So the alarm goes off at 4.30 in the morning. Make the flight, no problem. Get to the rental car, no problem. Go out to a lovely breakfast with my grandfather, who just turned 95, and my mother-in-law. It's lovely. We go pick up the barbecue from my favorite barbecue restaurant, Jack Stack. We get to the tailgate. 
we meet up with people who I had uh, just like invited us on Twitter. I'm hanging out with old friends. We are shotgunning beers on the hour. We are just drinking our faces off at this tailgate. I'm having a grand old time. We go into the stadium. We're on the side of the stadium where the sun is pelting on you the entire game. I had way too many cocktails, did not urinate for the entire game, very dehydrated. <laughs> it's 41 the, the story of the stadium is that, uh, that Taylor Swift is there. Chiefs fans are taking pity on me for not drafting Pat Mahomes. Like, they're like, oh, well, maybe Justin Fields can be good. I'm like, eh, it's, it's all over, folks. Leave the stadium so hammered that my wife needs to drive us instead of me. And I have let her drive less than 10 times in our relationship because she is not a good driver. She drives us to the hotel where we are supposed to drop our stuff and go out to dinner. I am not in any position to go out to dinner. She has to order room service like or like pickup from the restaurant in the airport Marriott, which was not the ideal dinner plan for our one night in Kansas City where we <laughs> fell in love. She brings the food back to the hotel room. I am passed out on the bed at eight o'clock and I eat a spicy chicken sandwich and a comatose state in my bedroom. And we don't get marital happy time for our one night in a hotel room away from the two kids. And the Bears lost 41 to 10. And they were down 34 nothing at halftime. Yeah, but I think drinking yourself into a stupor was in was a way of avo- it was avoidance. It was to like not you you blacked out the memory of sitting in there and watching all of the specific plays that led to this epic beatdown. I did four hours on the game solo today, and we flew out first thing to this morning. And I woke up and I was like, I feel great. And Steph was like, Yeah, you got eleven hours of sleep. <laughs> you you passed out at seven forty-five. Uh, so yeah, when I rewatched the game uh, this morning, there were a few details that I needed to reconnect. But the Bears are pathetic. Feel, I mean, they have the worst. It's not about the details. It's about the macro of the organization and how everything is is effed. Dude, if you my, take out the two turno- if you take out the two turnovers that they forced off Blaine Gabbert because Mahomes obviously just sat down uh, in the game. In three games so far this year, zero takeaways, one sack, and opponents have converted 27 of 45 third downs. 60% of third downs are being converted. And Fields is 32nd in the league in every passing category that matters. They're the worst offense and the worst defense. They're terrible. I'm going to make a prediction. Okay. I think Caleb Williams is going to stay in school. No. Because he doesn't want to play for the Bears. That's so ridiculous. No, it's not. Because he's in so LA ridiculous. and they're going to pay him a ton of money. And you're going to have Drake May next year as your new quarterback. Another North Carolina guy. Just like Mitch. And the That's head so coach. Ridiculous. No, let me finish. And the head coach is going to be the dude who worked at PFF. Who's the offensive coordinator in Houston right now who's off to a very good start with Stroud. And that's going to be Danny Parkins, 2024. Selling himself on Drake May and a guy that used to work for Pro Football Focus. Let me tell you this right now. Yep. If that comes true, first and pod is canceled. I'll quit. I'm not doing that. Well, we've show. got, I know one person who might be willing to replace you who would step right in. That's fine. The show can go on without me. I won't work with you if that happens. <laughs> I just it, that it, beats it, the that beats the that beats right now. That beats status quo. 
Yeah, but you wouldn't be mocking me for the I told you so of my misery of this. You you at least are wrong with me on, on Justin Fields. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I'm taking a massive L. I mean, listen, I, I don't I don't think that I actually think, not that I want to really do too much on this, but like Darnell Wright, who they drafted 10th overall, looks good at right tackle. DJ Moore, we know is good. They're just not doing anything to help him. If they if they hired a new coach who would be offensive minded to go with Caleb Williams with the number one pick plus Carolina's pick, which is looking top five, draft another tackle or draft Marvin Harrison Jr. And you're in the third biggest media market in the country with a global brand. It's actually not a bad position for a rookie to come into. Well, I don't know if you heard, but Fox and NBC are going to chip in that NIL to make sure for USC's first year of the Big Ten that Caleb mm-hmm. Williams is going to be there for that okay, one well, season. Well, it, then doing I mean, Heisman House commercials and okay, trying to win an. I don't want to talk to you anymore. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Uh, 